This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below-market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome to the Doherty Gang, a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. This is our final episode, episode 12, Roundtable. I'm Courtney Armstrong, a crime producer at KT Studios with Stephanie Lidecker. We've been working with producer Beth Greenwald on the Doherty Gang for months. Now, this podcast is being made into a movie. Writer-director Sean McEwen is the filmmaker who took on the story of the Doherty's. He first met the siblings eight years ago, and today he sits down with the film's lead actors, India Isley, who plays Lee Grace, Emery Cohen, who plays Dylan, and Sam Strike, who plays Ryan. They talk about their roles in the film and the process of making the movie. Sean also spoke with podcast executive producer Joseph Morgan. India, ladies first. So first of all, how did you find out about the movie? When did you read the script and what was your initial reaction to the story? The script was just sent to me like any other appointment, any other director's meeting. And I had not heard of the story before I got the script. So in the email package, I first I read the article and then I read the script. And what was your impression of the article? When I read the article, it was a very interesting read, especially because I hadn't heard of the story at all. I found it more heartbreaking than anything, especially the, the extremely harsh sentencing that they, that they were given. And as far as attracting me to the project, what attracted me when I heard that Sam and Emery were on board, I was bound to both of their work. Sam from Mindhunter, Emery from the OA, and he had worked with someone that I know and... So I wanted to work with them and, you know, it was just, it, it, honestly, the whole thing appealed to me. 
Oh, so Emery, I'm gonna shift it over to you and ask you the same. How did you find out about the movie? Yeah, I mean, like India, I didn't know about the, the story. And to me, it was like kind of a story about family. And I found that to be, that like struck me, you know, cause it, it's hard to imagine doing certain things, but then you put yourself in a scenario of what you would need to do to, you know, protect your family or, or keep your family safe. And then that opened up a world of imagination that's amazing. So what is it about the real life character of Ryan that attracted you to the role? And did you feel like you could relate? With Ryan, um, I was reading one Ryan in the script, but then talking to Ryan, I was getting quite a different Ryan and I felt overwhelmed already. And I was like, I was having a crisis in the, in the few days leading up to shooting, like, who is this guy? specifically, because it, it all happened quite quickly from being cast to getting, to getting into the States. What was attractive to me was that his perception of himself, I think it was quite different from how other people perceived him. And for me, that helped create like an arc from start to finish. Yeah, that's great. So also I'll swing this over to, uh, to India. Same thing, what is it about the, the real life character and the character that attracted you to the role for me, I just, without sounding, you know, contrived or anything, I, I, when I work, I tend to just focus on the energy before I focus on details. And, you know, like, I, I didn't really want to judge her on the script or on the article. And I, I really was waiting for that first phone call with her. And then I kind of took it from there. <laughs> Perfect. And so, Emery, same to you. Well, I mean, at first there was a lot that was really foreign to me, you know, like I'm an only child, I'm from New York City. And these, this is a story about the oldest brother of the family trying to kind of be like the father of, of that family. But I did relate to like, I remember, I know like with my friends at times, I have this very protective quality about two of my best, best friends in particular where like, if something happens, they're both actors and like if something happens to them or it goes wrong with them, like I immediately want to try to like save them. And I think Dylan, he's really trying to save the people he loves in this kind of way, almost like a martyr, you know, like he would sacrifice himself for his family. So Sam, here you read the script. There is this Ryan character, hopefully that's on the page to some extent. Then you connect with him in real life. And then you, of course, kind of put your own dynamic on it as well. Yeah, I remember. We were all out for lunch, uh, me, you, Emery, in India. And you got up for a second and you came back to the table and handed me the phone and were like, Ryan, it's Ryan. And I, was, I wasn't expecting that. And I, oh no, like drop it on me. And I'd, I met, I'd met all of you guys in an, in an American accent because I was trying to maintain it. So I, I, I've got to speak to this guy that I'm playing as a Brit pretending to be American like I'm waiting for him to, for the holes to start showing. And I was like really flustered and uh, he goes, hey Sam, how you doing? I said, I'm, I'm good, Brian, how you doing? And he says, I'm, I'm sitting in jail, how do you think I'm doing? And it was, I didn't know how to respond to that, you know? Um, his perception of himself versus I think his brothers and sisters perception of him too. Um, Cause I spoke to Emery in India and like, you know, what did Dylan and Lee Grace say to you and tried to see if the stories matched. Um, and, and Ryan had said to me in a matter of words that, you know, he felt he was the, the brains of the operation. 
And to me, from what I'd pieced together, it seems like Dylan was and Ryan, to me, Ryan really, really looked up to, to Dylan. So India, you know, we talked about, I don't want to call it a skill. It's not a skill, obviously, but kind of in that category of certain things you have to take on. Something that I have is, no skills. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> you. Very talented there. But there is, you know, it's, it's public record and also something that Lee Grace has uh, openly shared both in her interviews and as most of us have spoken to her about her drug use. And there is drug use in the film. That character has her own relationship to drugs, shall we say. What does that mean to you as an actor? Did that come into play with any of your sort of being cognizant of the reality of, uh, et cetera? What... That was a big, big part of every aspect of how I played her. Because she, she, you know, even on the phone, she, she is very much an addict. Like she has that kind of personality and that really does bleed into every, every aspect of someone's life. And, you know, I think it all, without getting too introspective and boring, it all does kind of go back to her childhood and feeling deprived of love. She, she needs that extra kick. There was definitely a kind of a frenetic kind of place that she was in where it was never enough. That's kind of what, what I picked up on. And that was something that I didn't get until I spoke to her on the phone. That constant unrest that she always has, like she can't relax. She's incapable of relaxing, even when she thinks she is. Yeah, I'm not glorifying it or anything, but I found it a very, very helpful hook in playing her. It's a direct line to where she's damaged. Oh, very well put. Yeah, there was, wasn't there? There's always this underlying sadness with her and even in real life too. I mean, yeah, that was the, the main thing I got from her. Like she'd be on a high and she'd be talking and stuff and she, and you know, and so excited about something. She was like, yeah, man, it was, it was fucking great. And then, and stuff. And suddenly there'd be a quiet silence with her where she'd just go. And it was like those silences really spoke volumes to to what was going on with her as a human being and the type of person she had become become that's so great thank you very well put so Emory, from an audience perspective at the Doherty's as being these anti-heroes you know how do you view them do you view them as anti-heroes do you view dylan as that you know he's the hero of his story you know what i mean he's a rebel which i guess in from society's terms make him an anti-hero I found him, you know, just, it's just, I don't know if this answers the question, but I know that when I was creating Dylan, I was very aware that this, for me, a lot of the journey was him wanting to be his brother and sister's hero and saving them from trauma, as India says, that had already happened, that he couldn't have saved them from, that he wasn't in the position to save them from when they were kids and him recognizing that that he couldn't be their hero and that it wasn't necessarily his responsibility and trying to find an acceptance of that that i saw that as kind of a whatever you call it arc or whatever of the character in a lot of ways for his journey is is him breaking is this facade of him being able to be this hero breaking cracking and breaking down you know and the failure of his plan for, for him, like achieving the goal of, of getting out of the bank robbery and all that and getting his, his family to safety, you know, was a, sort of a breakdown of this facade of himself as this hero. I think Emery hit the nail on the head. I think r really it's perspective, isn't it? Yeah, I, I really think that's it. It's, 
it's perspective in the sense that they are the heroes of their own story and they feel that they have strong enough motive to to take such a big step and and make the decision that they made to you know go on the run i think it seems heroic doesn't it to do things for your family like emery said dylan was doing it for lee grace and ryan and i think ryan was doing it for for his kid too my perspective of it is that I think their hands were forced slightly, considering their situation. If you're gonna, t there's a there's a risk and there's a reward, you know. And the re reward would have been that they would have made it, and the risk is that they didn't, and they 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 didn't. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, so India, any take with that for you also? In regards to Lee Grace, I think you know the entire situation kind of. It, like Sam just kind of brought up a good point is that, you know, Dylan was doing it for his siblings, Ryan was doing it for, you know, his, you know, his lady and his baby. And I think that that was a big part of the emptiness that I mentioned is Lee Grace didn't feel like she really had anything. There, there wasn't really like a singular thing that she was living for at that point, other than, you know, her drugs and, you know, to just keep, keep going and keep moving forward and having fun at times. She didn't have an emotional, you know, thing to cling on to. So there's always a lost aspect with her. And so I think she went throughout this, throughout this entire thing, really with no solid trajectory. There was no solidity to what she was doing. She was very much just loved her brothers and was just like, fine, fuck it, we'll do it. I don't view it as good or bad. I think they were three human beings that were born into a very, very, unfortunate set of circumstances. Is there anything that you can recollect about your character that really helped you understand them or to be able to play them? I grew up around that kind of like environment, more like blue collar. And there are certain things that I feel do translate across between the two countries, you know, and yeah, little things like the smoking and the, it, it changes the way you walk and say if there's shots of us driving there's just some shots of us driving in the car like you, you can be driving or you can be driving and smoking and it to me does it changes things a little bit because you, you tend to smoke when you're bored sometimes or to pass the time and you know I'm, time is running out for them I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but you know what I mean? No, no, no. It's, yeah, it makes sense. It, for me, I, I didn't have smoking as a um, as a thing, but like as a physical thing to use. I, I did pick up in the phone calls, though, that she, those silences that I mentioned, I just kind of, you know, it, when you when you bring in the drugs, because um, she loved pills, that was her big thing. And um as far as a behavioral thing, I imagined that her eyes would always be kind of darting because she's always looking for something. So like, there's always something that she doesn't have. And so whether it's pills or a person or, you know, there's always something that she's just like outwardly looking for. There's, it, she's, it's that unrest. So, yeah. <laughs> Dylan explained his life to me in prison sentences and parole violations and arrests, you know, like he, it was like his, I think he's the first thing he said to me, he was like, well, the first time I got picked up, 
you know, and and so he didn't explain his life to me in the way that, you know, what his childhood was like or this or that. He explained it to me in like prison sentences and things like that. And I know that for me, it gave me this awareness that there was these two worlds going on for him. There was this outside world and there was the inside world or there was the world on parole and the world off parole. And I didn't know that world, you know, and and I remember being very aware of that, but it, it didn't start until his first arrest or his first parole violation. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Ryan's character is really seems to be motivated by the love of his son. He was at the time this was all happening in their flight, you know, his girlfriend at the time, Amber, who he called his wife and was heavily pregnant. And there was that did the real Ryan, as I call him, did he mention his son at all? Was that ever part of your conversations? And also, did he ever mention anything about his own upbringing? Again, it was like uh, quite a long time ago now. So I, I don't know how much I'm actually remembering or how much I'm potentially not making up, but you know, that happens. He said, I got the impression from him that him and Lee Grace were especially close. I don't know if it's, that was a maternal thing he felt. I got the impression it was maybe kind of a maternal thing. And about his son, I do remember him saying something that really struck me, but I can't remember how he said it, but it was the way in which he said it that was so effective. It, it was some, it was words to the effect of, I, I feel so guilty that I left my kid without a dad. 
you know, like he, uh, the main thing I, I could really feel the regret that, that he, he wasn't there to raise his kid. I don't know how he said it to me, but I remember that being the message and I found that really upsetting, you know? Oh, absolutely. Wow. That's, that's again, that's very touching and impactful. You've got the chaos of the story throughout the movie and then the chaos at the end with the, with like a shootout essentially between the cops, albeit over their heads. The whole thing has been with, with little bits of respite chaos. And I don't know personally if that's how it had played out in real life, how cognizant he would have been of actually getting gunned down because you think of all the other really risky stuff that they've done along the way. It's like in for, we say in England, like in for a penny, in for a pound, like you've, you've gone this far and you somehow your heart's still beating. I think that his legs carried him. I don't think he had any say in the matter. It's like, I've got to get back, you know? Very, very well put. Uh, India, can you expand on anything else that really spoke to you about once you did connect with her in real life? You know, again, I hate to sound like a broken record, but it really was just her Her personality was is such a strong one. I mean, she's such a spitfire. She just came through the phone and immediately I just loved her. Like, I was just like, oh my gosh, she's a blast. There's an avoidant quality to her that I found was very interesting where she'll just, and I think a lot of people who have experienced trauma have this, where they'll just say it like very matter-of-factly, you know, what's happened to them and de details that have happened in their lives and they're very kind of heavy harrowing things and like she would say something to me and like a really personal thing and I'd be like wait wait, wait what was that what was that and she, she's like oh yeah and, so, and then she just like say it again and I was like okay and inside I'm like that's a really upsetting thing like that's a really I, I don't really want to say it just out of respect to her but just little things like that where it was more her demeanor towards these hardships that had happened to her and how she handled it. And she was very kind of resilient in her way. So well, that's great. Um, I'm gonna embarrass you, Sam, please forgive me. As I recall, so here's the context and setup. So Ryan in particular is known to be, and it's someone on public record, quite the actual driver, like mm -hmm. a very good driver and was the driver for this. I think you know where I'm going with this. Can you expand on that a bit? Um, what that was to you and what was unique about that for you in particular? Well, I found out that I was that I was going to get to do the movie and I was really excited. And then a few days later, you and one of the producers FaceTime me and they were like, Sam, you can drive, right? And I'm like, no. Like, oh, Ryan's the getaway driver. Oh. But luckily, once we got to the south, our stunt coordinator took me out in a closed parking lot and gave me the basics, gave me the rundown on how to drive and I think we got through it okay you know um and what I do you know what what I really appreciated is uh that Emery and India were both extremely patient with me I've got these two actors in the car like pressure on man and I, I think Emery had maybe had similar experiences to me in the past and Emery you had some sort of mantra there was something happened when we were driving and I as Dylan just said something like slow and steady or calm and relaxed yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it i know what sam's talking about because like you book this job and you're like excited and you're ready to go and you don't even read that stuff like oh ryan's driving <laughs> or whatever yeah where's my dialogue where's where, where do i get to say stuff and then all of a sudden you're there and you're like oh fuck i have to like do this thing <laughs> so i knew exactly what he was going through 
and he was great, man. He killed it with with all the stuff, especially with the driving. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. So 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 just to say, he one didn't more hit anything. I've hit things like not like cars and like and you know I've done it. You know, he yeah. was great. He didn't hit anything. But, let me yeah. just add. Let me just add to that. There was one day when we were filming in the uh, we were in the used car lot, and I was supposed to reverse into the parking spot, but the car was in drive oh. and the camera was right yeah. in front of me. And I've oh stepped on the accelerator and it's gone forward. I've stomped the brake. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So, so that's just, I love hearing this stuff. It's great. We did ask you that. It was like, hey, you know, obviously Sam's probably used to driving on the other side of the road. We just want to make sure he's comfortable. And then, yes, we did find out that you weren't a driver like you didn't drive so you had to pick up that skill with us and you did a wonderful job with it like i'd never played a real person that hadn't passed i played a real person but he died in like 1930 so it's really strange to play a real person that was still alive and was going to have an opinion on this you know and it's his life and it's going to people are going to see this and form their own opinions it's a, a lot of pressure and i think all of it like working with em Emery in India and and trying to stay in the accent and trying to do right by Ryan, the pressure was so on that yeah, you 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 carry that in inevitably. But for me, like I really felt like it kept me sharp because I think it could have been a hindrance where you just get too overwhelmed and you start and you know falling apart. But I found it to be really good. I, I mean, it's one of my favorite experiences I've, I ever had doing the Docky Gang. It was so great. So Emery, let me kick this over to you. You know, did a rig and had you tied and tethered into the car so you could really lean out and did that stunt. And we did it in a practical sense with using you and you were wonderful and looks amazing. Again, did that have any imprint or impression on you? I think even still now, that was like one of the most extensive sort of stunt things that I've ever done. You know, there were times we did it free driving too. And like, yeah, sure, there I'm tied into something in the car, but I was hanging out of a car, you know what I mean? Just I was like thinking about the movie. And I was like, this is gonna be really good for the movie. This is gonna make the movie look good. Cause I was scared, but I was also really excited to kind of do it. And it's sometimes those things link up. Like obviously for Dylan in the real life situation, getting his family to safety is a much different circumstance than being an actor in a movie trying to get a cool shot very few people in the entire existence of humanity who've hung outside of a, a car that's being chased by a cop and shot at a cop. Um, obviously, that was the real story with the real Dylan. You had that experience, obviously, in a play setting, shall we say, you know, in a film setting, uh, not reality. But, you know, when you're experiencing that, are you in some way channeling that real experience that he might have had? Or are you thinking about a million other things like, just hold on tight? I mean, you want me to be honest, I remember thinking like, I hope this looks really cool. <laughs> like, I, remember, I remember thinking like, I reminded myself of watching movies like The Last Action Hero or, or you know, I don't know, like all these fun like action movies I saw as a kid. And I've never really done a proper action movie. And this was my opportunity to have you know, my best Sylvester Stallone moment. And I was like, I had an adrenaline rush. You know, there's a lot of adrenaline that kicks through you when you're going to do something like that. And it and it excited me and I wanted to look cool. So, and I don't know how it looks, but you know, that, that, was, that was the experience for me. Um, you, that and being really scared. 
It was a mix of all. I'm really scared, but I want to look cool. <laughs> wait, 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 that brings up a great, a great point. There was a moment where the three of you were in the car right before the bank robbery, and you were just riffing on that whole thing about, okay, this is how this is going to go down. Bang, bang, bang. You, you said in, in Dylan's voice, if you will, let's make it just like in the movies, and you put the masks on, you go, and you, where did you come up with that? Me and you and would talk about how Dylan was a movie buff. That, that was a big part. Like, Dylan was a movie buff. Dylan knew movies. Dylan loved movies. I know I said to you that I couldn't figure out in the performance how much of it to make it super authentic and how much of it was performative. And then I think some of it was like, you know, again, like, I've never shot a bank robbery scene. And that, uh, you know, Bonnie and Clyde, my favorite dog day afternoon you know these they're iconic bank robbery scenes and i think that there was a part of me like the movie buff in me and the little boy in me was really excited that we were shooting this kind of this thing you know where what we do is make believe and it's like when we're kids where you're playing you know i'll be the cop you'll be the robber i'll be the robber you'll be the cop you know and and i think i just that just kind of came over these characters were aware that this was going to make the the five o'clock news or the six o'clock news, you know, that, that they had an awareness of that and that in some ways that it was performative, what they were trying to do, you know? No, absolutely. Let's stop here for another quick break. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Thank you. 
we again got lucky for the film to get the chance to shoot in a real bank. You know, obviously there's extras that are recreating being the real customers of the bank and we have the bank tellers. What was that like for you and recreating that? I always get nervous about how loud it's going to be because you also have to look like, because my character is anticipating that Lee Grace comes in and unloads these shells so they know what's going on. And like we've said, like our characters are used to being around gunfire. The way that we shot that day, at least the way I remember it, we shot like the practical stunt elements and gunfire elements first and then shot my kind of little speech up there. It just helped me feel comfortable. The script opens with that scene, you know, so it was definitely something that when I saw it on the schedule, you start getting butterflies and, and excited and nervous and all the rest. And I think part of it, too, is the whole make it look like the movies. I think we actually shot that after we had finished all the bank work. So there was kind of this... I there was this kind of ease for me that that speech was out of the way and the gunfire was out of the way and we could just shoot the beginning bit. So India, just swinging over to you on that, once they went on the run, once they robbed a bank, being in some sort of control, this control that they never had. And your character in particular comes barging into the bank. Even though I will say that I, uh, there were a couple of lines that even though I knew that in post it would be fixed, my energy was uh, the adrenaline. I Like Emery was saying, like the butterflies and the adrenaline was so, for me anyway, was <laughs> suddenly kicked into high gear, like right before we started filming. And so I started kind of not fully getting my line out. <laughs> and, and I remember that making me even more frantic. Um, and in regards to the control aspect uh, for the characters, I think, I mean, it must have just been like an alternate reality for that moment where they kind of click into, you know, it's a false sense of control. And at least the way that I approached it was, I think in that moment, she wasn't really, she wasn't really cognizant of the, of the reality of what she was doing or what they were doing. And so it did kind of link in in a nice way because I was actually having a blast watching Emery do the speech and then Sam had a gag with the shotgun and stuff. So I, I was actually enjoying watching both of them. But um, I think in a way as, as the character as well, she was with her brothers and it was like, it was almost like playtime in a way. That was kind of how I treated it. So as far as, you know, the energy of running in and doing all of that, it was more just like an adrenaline, like playing a game. And she wasn't really, it was more like the, the, that, and then she doesn't really realize the weight of what she's doing fully, but she does, but she, she kind of, the excitement of it overtakes the logic. Perfect. And so Emery, same to you. Um, what about the character in particular attracted you, you to playing the role? Um, and, and what was your impression of that? I remember when I read the script, you know, I found, Dylan to be really charming. And when I spoke to him on the phone, he didn't, he, he was very, very charming. Um, and there's also, you know, there was kind of like a kindness of the way they went about doing what they did in that, you know, like in the scene where we robbed the bank, uh, Dylan sees like this elderly woman on the floor and he gets down and he says, ma'am, do you want, do you want to take a seat, you know, s sit down, you know, and there was something that, that interests me in that, you know, they come charging into this bank, guns drawn, everyone on the ground. And then he sees, you know, an elderly person and he's like, oh no, no, let's get this person a chair, you know, like, you know, and so I, I found that to be kind of attractive. 
I remember the phone call I remember the most was actually the last phone call that I had with him because it was this crazy thing that happened. It was the night we wrapped shooting and he called me and I thought that either Sean or Cassidy that someone had informed him that this was that that would be the last night but it was it was just happenstance he just I don't know he picked up the phone you know and we had this really cool talk because in the beginning you know I was learning from him and learning about him and in this end talk you know we were I was just kind of talking to him about the movie and how like the experience was really good and how I felt like everyone was really committed and that hopefully we would have made him proud, you know, and stuff like that. And we kind of had this nice sort of goodbye that just happened really organically. And I remember like that because the phone calls leading up, they're like mired with all this, the anxiety of like starting shooting, you know, and what I remember and what I don't remember is a little unclear, but I, I distinctly remember that last phone call, like calling, him calling and being like, oh, hey, Sean must have told you. He was like, no, Sean didn't tell me anything. What's going on? And I was like, oh, dude, we we wrapped. Like, we're, we just finished. And um, so that was a really, that was a crazy experience. But it was really nice. It was really nice to kind of, for me to let the character go. But again, like, there's that pressure. You know, we get to let these things go and move on. It was strange. I don't know if he felt it. Like, he felt that, that this... Because I felt Dylan sort of leaving me, you know, just in that actory way of whatever. And we finished shooting right before Thanksgiving. And I know I was flying back to New York to see my family. And I had been on the road for a while shooting. And, you know, when you're shooting, especially something like this, where it's like, it was me, India, and Sam, and you, of course, and everyone else. But like, there was a couple other actors came in and came out, but like it was me, India and Sam kind of lived together for like five weeks. And so they had become like a family to me during that time and being away from home and away from people and stuff. You know, that time of year is always a shift for me. It's like, cause you're getting in the holidays and you're remembering, you know, the year that's passed and all that stuff. So that that was what I remember the most about all that time. So, so so India again, not to put you on the spot with that same question, but do you have a recollection of that final uh, scene, which is the goodbye, and it was also the goodbye to the the experience that we had uh, for production. If I had to imagine what the three of them felt when they were finally separated and it was over, and they were all being, you know, going off on their own, and and you know, knowing that they're probably never gonna, you know, that 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 chapter of their lives are, are done, is done. Like when the arrests were being filmed, when we were doing that, it was just a very kind of empty feeling that I had, that I hadn't really had on the job before. It wasn't really like a, we did it kind of rap thing for me anyway. I kind of felt very sensitive and I felt kind of depressed after the job ended where it was, it was, it, it was for the first time for me, it was kind of hard to leave the character behind because it was such a distinct vibe that the three of us had and that that was there during filming. And it was a very weighty energy. It was like, it, I loved working with everyone, but I wouldn't call it like a really happy shoot. Like it, there was a definite heaviness that, and I think all three of us were aware of it at all times. 
And so, uh, Sam, same to you. Do, you. do you have a recollection of that? At that point, for me, like it was a, it, was, it had been a voyage because I feel like his siblings were his heroes for sure. But then he's got this prospective new family on the way. It's like a split, you know? Definitely. Yeah, you have this really wonderful uh, moment there where it appears in what we're trying to portray is that, you know, the cops essentially, you know, catch up to you. And, you know, we, we took a little artistic license here, um, again, for time. And they, you know, ask you to put your weapon down and they, they do the takedown as opposed to in real life, it was actually a regular bystander that actually took Ryan down, believe it or not, saw the chase happen right. and got involved. That was a little more complex than we had the chance to get into. Well, guys, listen, we, I am so grateful and thank you for letting me kind of rush to the finish line at the end. But you guys, and I'm not just saying this, you were brilliant as always. I'm not surprised in the least. And um, I just really want to thank you for your time and anything else that you want to throw in or we feel great about this. I just wanted to say that it really was a very special experience. And thank you, Sean, for, you know, bringing me aboard because it was, it was a really special experience. That's it. That, that's <laughs> awesome. And I say concur. Emery, say the part about how you think I'm the most handsome director you've ever worked with. Remember, we, we practiced that earlier. Oh, yeah. Sean's the most Sorry. handsome director I ever worked with. I'm kidding. I'm the kidding. most handsomest. Handsomest. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, totally teasing. This is our yeah. part. Um, okay. Thank you guys so much. Please have a great rest of your <laughs> evening. Great to see everybody. Good yeah. to see everyone. So nice. Thank you, everybody. All the best to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank this was absolutely you. brilliant. I couldn't be more pleased. Thank you. Thank you. I'm right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Here's Sean with podcast producer Joseph Morgan. You've known the story for quite some time. You've been close to it. If you had one thing that you'd want people to take away from it, what would that be? But for these kids in particular, for every step they took in life, it's like they took four steps backwards. It's like no one ever truly dosed them with mercy. And it, it, isn't it interesting how just that one, that one simple act of kindness of uh, indulgence maybe for them could have made all the difference in the world. But yet, you know, because you don't have a mailbox, we're going to throw your ass in jail. We're going we're gonna to put you in the deepest, darkest part of it. Yeah, you're going to feel like you – your absent hope, any kind of hope that, that there's any kind of light at the tunnel. And that is tragedy. That is tragedy. Writer-director Sean McEwen had some final thoughts on the Doherty story. I think for me, the one thing that I would want people to take away from the story is being able to begin to understand that which is not understandable. When I first heard the story, I think it's probably like most anybody who may have started this podcast, it's like, oh, crazy bells and whistles, the salacious bells and whistles. It's like a right. former stripper now toting an AK-47 mm -hmm. and these crazy two brothers and sister, Bonnie, Clyde and Clyde, and they're you know, getting shots with cops and robbing banks. And this is so unlike anything I've ever done or experienced or probably the majority of the population is very unique. But the deeper you get into it, you realize how much this is like all of our stories in some way, in a way, a couple of lefts and rights, and this could have been me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's similar in a way, so many ways to, again, my background and that kind of rural upbringing, salt of the earth, and, and you know, their path led them this way. And, and some of it was, they're responsible for this were their choices, and some of it was truly circumstance. 
If you're over 18 years old and want to see pictures of Lee Grace and Ryan Doherty or find their addresses to write them in prison, go to our Instagram at KT underscore studios. If you're enjoying this podcast, please listen and subscribe to Crazy in Love, KT Studios' latest true crime podcast. The Doherty Gang is executive produced by Stephanie Lidecker and me, Courtney Armstrong, along with Beth Greenwald, Sean McEwen, and Joseph Morgan. Editing and sound design is by Jeff Twa. Additional producing by Chris Graves and Jeff Shane. The Doherty Gang is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com.